Welcome to another edition of the Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. The Comedian's Table, for those of you unaware, every comedy venue should or does have a table set aside for the comedians for us to hang out, relax, chill, gossip, uh, catch up, and chat. And tonight, and, this is what, and that's what this is. It's a bunch of comedians sitting around a table. Tonight, my guests are... Chris Gaskin. Shannon Street. And Sarah Jones. <laughs> Stage name Street over here. Yeah, stage name Street. I like it. It yeah. looks, sounds good. I'll keep my government name government. Add the street to the to Your the colonial name. name? <laughs> Your colonial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is actually. <laughs> All right, everyone here say their actual name. Three, two, one. <laughs> it's the only one who has the same name. So uh, we were talking about questions to ask, and you were talking about working in the States. So have you worked in the States? No. And what's that like if you haven't? I have. I, <laughs> I'm not legally allowed to work in the States. Uh, even like doing an open mic is kind of an iffy thing, like even if I'm not getting paid. I can go and do like an international festival or an international competition, but it's like to work uh, for myself – because I I am uh, purely white, uh, <laughs> like I, I we were having this conversation between tapings where I was saying because Brian has status uh, because of the act. Uh, do you know what it's called? The Brian? J Treaty. The J Treaty. Yeah. Uh, you can cross the border and work in the states if you want, and like that's such a big advantage that. You man you should be taking advantage of one of the few advantages by the way (laughs) but as a comedian like that that gives you a very good advantage because there's just so many more people in the states Mm. and so many more opportunities and the casinos are actually now hiring uh they're booking indigenous acts oh yeah whereas yeah even though they're indigenous owned yeah they were not booking indigenous acts but they're they're doing that now that's so weird to me to think like i that, that's just one of the things that baffles me. <laughs> like well, uh, you can have a casino owned by First Nations, but then they're not hiring or giving work to. Yeah, First it's, usually, it's usually like nostalgia acts yeah. and stuff like that. That's crazy. But I, I mean, it's because their market is old white people. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like old white people are like, we're gonna go to the Indian reservation and we're gonna go to the casino. <laughs> the casino. <laughs> Go see the Moody Blues. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I was saying this at, at dinner last night, and I, I've said it for a long time. Like, my my currency in comedy is always just funny. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't care how someone identifies. I don't care what their skin pigmentation is. If they're funny, they're... I, they're cool with me. Yeah. If they're and funny, they're speaking even, my language. Even if, even if I don't get along with them or like them, I still want to see people succeed. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because it's it's just such a waste of energy to be like, I don't like that person. I hope they fail. Yes. Like, I'd rather just focus on myself yeah. and do what I can. But I, I would also, I, I was saying uh, when COVID was like really big. And everything was shutting down. And then they'd open something up for like a couple months and then shut it back down again. Is they open up a place called the Kino that was run by Steve Allen in uh, Not the Steve Allen. Not the Steve Allen. Mm-hmm. The other Steve Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. Willie Ross would be his acting name. Uh, he was in like X-Files. Oh, okay. He played one of... Uh, was he Deep Throat? 
No, no, he was. Um, he was like a hitman, wasn't he? Who's the the smoking man? Had oh. like two hired hitmen in like. So the, he was the one last of couple seasons. Assistance. I think so. Yes, that's actually really cool. I think so. Uh, I have a classmate it, that's worked on X Files as an FX artist. Like everyone in Vancouver worked on X Files uh, at uh-huh. some point. I read Dave Duchovny's latest book. It's really weird. I'm sure it is. <laughs> But like David Duchovny, what a babe. So oh, I, yeah. I had to, I had to uh, headline for him because of COVID. Uh, he stopped running the weekly Tuesday show at his venue, and then was putting on a Saturday weekend show and running it like a comedy club, host, feature, headliner, and then like a guest spot or two, and everyone on the bill was all female except for myself and and steve was like hey so-and-so wants to come by and do a guest spot is that okay and i was jokingly like another woman but i was like yeah i don't care like yeah she's great this show will be great and like when i got on stage i was like round of applause i go how about the fact that they were all women like i don't understand why anyone cares about that yeah i go but it's like, funny's funny, and that's what should matter when you are watching the show. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, it, it, it drives me nuts when I see people not getting spots because of it, or, or people, because I, I'm like, what, do you want a good show or not? Like, mm-hmm. I think for me, though, like, we talked about this last time we were on, where, like, as young women, we're taught to, like be quieter like Mm -hmm. make yourself smaller like it's important that you're polite like you should be seen and not heard like those are cultural messages that are given to girls all the time totally all the time i think it's different now thankfully because of social reasons (laughs) (laughs) seriously like i felt like for a long time that like the fact that i was loud the fact that i was funny were bad things yeah and i felt ashamed like for a really long time in my life and it was only when i just decided like screw this I'm gonna be who I want to be and that was when I was in my mid-20s same after I'd been in like several abusive relationships with people who were like you're too loud yeah you tell too many stories like no for me too it was like I same thing have always been like um funny or I say inappropriate things or I swear too much and growing up even when I was really young like 10 like and into a teenager like people always called me like like butch or something because i like to do Mm -hmm. things that were more masculine and like i feel like i owe a lot of to like where i got my humor because i hung out with people like my grandpa and my uncles and like construction sites and things like that and i was always felt like i was made to feel like i yeah wasn't allowed to do that because i was a female yeah and so now i'm like i don't care anymore i just want to do all the things and not feel like embarrassed or ashamed because I'm like, well, I'm funny. It's okay. That's that's interesting because for me, I got my sense of humor from my mother. Yeah. And and like, like like that's how I ended up getting it. Like when I really look back, Mm -hmm. it it was from my mom and like our relationship. I totally agree. Like I got a lot of humor as well from my mom. And, but like we talk about our parents culture, like their generation there was no stages for them to be standing on to make mm-hmm. jokes like I well at least my mom at least but um, yeah I feel like they there's so many funny women or uh, you know other people that just don't have the spotlight to talk really. <laughs> what is it like having someone like? 
Kylie Lewis Holt in the Prince George comedy scene and being like a leader uh, for me for you as new comics I think Kylie's super friggin inspiring like for me I am proud like she's a leader because of like for a reason like when I watch her and the way she tells me things like the way she thinks like as a woman like I'm gonna do this because it helps me concentrate more or I this is my thinking or my thought process before I go into a show I'm like I can relate to that because I kind of think the same in a similar fashion whereas you might not be able to have that relatable piece of you know what another like male cult partner is going on stage like she has a good perspective or point of view from what I'm feeling at that moment I should let you know that uh, Sarah is also my camera person on the, my documentary that I'm working uh-huh. on. And so we've got to spend some time with Kylie. Yeah. Yeah. To that's... hear her talk. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I think for me, when, because uh, like I decided to do comedy five weeks ago, six weeks ago, right before the competition. Yeah. Um, and it was because I went to a show that was all white males and I was like, they all suck. <laughs> like yeah, like all in of town. these jokes You're are about yeah, a show in, town. in town. And I was like, all of these jokes are the same jokes I've heard a million times. I might be a pedophile. I might be in the KKK. And I was like, I'm not laughing. Like, and so I just thought I'm funnier than these guys. And so <laughs> for me, like also like when I was told about you guys' entertainment group and went to an open mic and met you and Kylie, it was nice to just see people who are a different demographic doing comedy and like you know indigenous jokes are funny to me right and so i'm like this is great like i get to hear things that i can relate to and so i just felt like more like oh i can relate to this and i think that's what diversity is all about and also too i think kylie is a leader because she's just she's funny like when you bring it down to what like the nitty-gritty she's just just really funny funny. yeah She's incredibly funny. Absolutely. I I had her, I taped my special in October of 2019, and I had her... What's it called? Oh, it's called Working with the Negatives. It's available on chrisgaskin.net. I had her open for me in McKenzie and here in Prince George, and in McKenzie, she had the room shaking. Mm -hmm. Like, she was crushing so hard. (laughs) She's so funny. That I I was in the back of the room half regretting bringing her <laughs> i even though i knew i can i've got this but i was i was just like i don't it, it's i would much rather follow someone that i'm like i don't know if i could follow that that yes. was so great because then it forces me to work harder yeah mm-hmm. uh but at, at the same time, I wanted to look good because it was my special. Yeah, totally. Right? <laughs> but I was so glad that I brought her. And I was like, I met her a year prior. And it was probably six months after that where I we had talked initially. And she was just starting out. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what do you think? And I said, I want to see you in like six months. Because I think if you put your... I, I think you have an idea of what you're doing. But you just don't know how to get to it right now and i go but if you put your head down and work at it we'll see in six months we'll have a talk then because i'll be back in town then and then when i was in town she destroyed on this one show and i was (laughs) like we're gonna work together absolutely i remember going to a lot of her earlier shows too and even then like when she first got on stage yeah it's so funny (laughs) yeah 
Was she doing the hair whipping at the time? Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I first started going on stage, uh, it was actually to do open mics, like singing and playing guitar. And um, I remember just being like terrified to like open my mouth in front of people. And that's where I actually realized that I'm pretty funny because I would just make jokes about how bad at guitar I am. And like the whole room would be laughing with me and it was amazing. And I actually would really love to like put those two things together, but I am so bad at guitar. (laughs) I need like somebody to play guitar for me (laughs) and then I could do it. I I have like a couple friends who I'm like, we should jam. Cause I was even thinking like I could like, add some like musical songs yes. to some of my jokes oh from last night like i've been so practicing good. maybe this time uh, and i could be like maybe this time i'm gay <laughs> you know like just add a little bit of that to the act that i think would people would awesome. like it um so what's it like starting here in prince george I, I like it because, like, I can alienate all the Compared men who will to try what? to date me. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's a small town. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I started out here as well. But, like, when I started, it there was no scene. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, right now, at least there's somewhat of, like, an actual community and seeing. And it's, like, it's, it's fractured and it shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. it, it breaks my heart a little bit. But... Uh, as you two are starting out, I, I want to know your experience of like what it's been like getting on stage and what have the crowds been like? Yeah. Um, I have had a good experience thus far, but also like, because you said Prince George is a bit of a smaller community. I know a lot of the other comedians that are in the community just because I've lived here my whole life. So Mm -hmm. like, it's pretty much impossible to like not know people that's that's the only thing for me honestly um and it's a good thing and even like last night in the audience there's people that i knew from high school for example that i hadn't seen in like five or ten years even and they were really high on edibles (laughs) 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 and uh like so for me that element always factors in and it makes me a little nervous because when I'm telling a joke, I'm like, oh, my God, is somebody going to be in the audience that's like, oh, my God, I was there when this happened? Or are they going to, you know what I, I mean? Like on that baseball yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. So that's the only thing, like, being a local that kind of gets me nervous is that factor of, like, there's literally only one degree of separation for a lot of people in this town. Or zero. <laughs> or degrees. zero, for that matter. Hmm. <laughs> I guess about- for me, like, it's been it's been really good and, like, I do know a lot of people. I think for me, like my jokes are all about being sad that I'm heterosexual. So I'm just like, I'm never going to be able to date anyone in this town after this because they all think I hate them. Um, So that kind of sucks. But it wasn't like I was dating anyways before that. But no, I've, I've had really good like experiences i think the crowds have all Mm -hmm. like loved what i was doing and even when i was at uh nancio's open mic which they weren't prepared for us they were like (laughs) comedy where did this come from and those audiences loved us so yeah they were laughing yeah and so i think i've had a good time so far i'm actually nervous to go to like places like vancouver because i mean out of our out of our element i don't like vancouver at all (laughs) (laughs) like like people there i mean i have this really the story is like what stands out to me 
I go to a lot of metal shows. I love metal. I love the community. People are very community minded. This one time I went to see Electric Wizard by myself in Vancouver. I was walking down Hastings. I had these three guys following me for like six blocks, yelling things about my butt, like just harassing me. I felt so unsafe. And I get to the show and I... I, there's a couple in front of me in line and I was like hey can you guys talk to me like you know me because um, these people have been following me and harassing me for blocks and I I need help and this couple like looked at me like I was crazy and turned oh away God. I can never I will, imagine that I happening will here. never forget that they were like this girl's crazy and like thankfully a group of like six people came in behind me and so I just kind of stood there like and I had eaten some edibles. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what? This is not my experience of this community. Yes, so I'm scared to go outside of my community because I know that in Prince George, every time I walk into a room, I'm with friends. I, yeah. I So I've traveled all across the country. I have found Vancouver is probably the most passive, aggressive city I have ever been to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it there because of that level of passive aggressiveness. It makes building an act tough, and, and because of that, people get really good. And then you have it, it's it's the old steel sharpens steel mm-hmm. thing, right? Right. So they're at, I'm going to speak for them. They're at a point where they've got their five. How would they go about, like you said, building an act? How would you? What suggest? would be the next step? I, I mean, the, the next step is pocketing the five and coming up with a new five. Mm-hmm. And then figuring out a way to mash them together for ten. Because you can't just do a five-minute set and then your next five-minute set as a ten-minute set. Because mm-hmm. then it becomes this crazy, unbalanced thing. Like, to a, I, I remember... Um, the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club, Sam Easton, was booking the amateur nights. And he would have 15 people doing five minutes. And I, I said, like, it's good that a lot of people are getting stage time. But what good is this people doing, like, doing for people long term? Mm-hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, well, doing 10 minutes is not doing two five-minute sets. It's a much different thing. Mm-hmm. Doing 20 minutes is a completely different animal. Doing 30 is different than 20. Yeah. Doing an hour is so much different than any of those because at some point you have to learn how to maintain, how to actually bring the audience. Maintain, yes. sustain. Yes. Sustain it for an hour. And like holding on out, to them. Yeah. And, yeah. and figuring out times where when can I actually bring the audience down to give them a little rest because they've been laughing so hard for so long. Like, yeah, it's there's got to be the whole hour. You know, yeah. the, the um, one of the best comedy sets and actually the most painful thing I've ever been through in my life was seeing Bruce McCullough. Uh, it was here in PG. We did not stop laughing for seventy five minutes, uh-huh. <laughs> and I like could not stand Sore. up. I literally like had to like unfurl myself <laughs> from the chair, and I was like, "This man, if he could just stop being funny for like five minutes, like <laughs> I need breathe. a break." <laughs> so that actually is that's an like, important point. That is so there, important. There, there are a few comedians who can do that, but but it does get to a point where it, it's they are still. 
you you say that you'd been laughing the entire time, but I guarantee he was taking little I know breaks. That man could just exist. Little breaks here and there, <laughs> though. But I'm saying he was taking little breaks here and there, though, mm-hmm. that you didn't notice, where he would slow things down for a few minutes, and he'd still be hitting punchlines, but it wouldn't be bam, 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 bam. It would be like bam, bam. So mm-hmm. you have a few moments, and then back on the gas pedal, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, because it's like. It, it's like, I love Mitch Hedberg. I cannot yes. watch Mitch Hedberg for an hour. Oh, same. Mm-hmm. He's, I, I, I can him. watch him for 20 minutes, and I then know. I'm like, I, I've, I've had enough of this. <laughs> the, the only guy that I've seen and seen live that can rapid fire like that and can go the whole hour uh, is Dave Attell. And, like, Attell's a guy who is, like... But I'll watch him slow down a set and move into material that doesn't hit as hard. Is still hitting, but not as hard, and then ramp it back up. I love mm-hmm. it when um, you're watching a set like from another comedian, and they really have a hold on the friggin' audience, and they're laughing on cue. And then when the comedian goes silent, you can hear a pin drop in that room because yeah. they have such a grip on like- everybody in that audience. Like, that to me is, like, the best when it's so loud and everyone's laughing so hard and then it's just quiet because they've taken a pause. And I just love that. The, like, the audience is so in tune. They just can't wait to see what's next. How long have you been going to shows at Nancy's? Uh, I Since, I want to say at least a good eight years. Maybe even a few, maybe ten but eight for sure. Like fairly regularly? Like it's a monthly show. Yeah. So how many shows per year would you say? Per year? Oh, I would go every month. Really? Yeah. Every month because they would do two shows at the end of each month, a Thursday and a Friday night, usually two weekends at the end of the month or one, one Thursday at the end of the month. I can't remember. But I would go. It's a monthly some, show. Yeah. yeah. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So I would sometimes go to uh, it would be the same lineup of people but i'd go both nights in a row because i needed something to do but it was cool because then i got to see two the same comedian perform and then like almost watch the performance be similar but then the audience is so different so for me that was like the one thing that i felt like i have maybe a slight advantage for in the comedy scene is i've just been a, like a participant in the audience for so long that i've feel like i i don't know i just i i witnessed think, so much of what happens i think because of that you kind of got the pattern down yeah like it, like my cheat code you like know? the rhythm the, yeah, yeah the, the rhythm. rhythm of like like it's it is kind of a cheat code it is really yeah like you'll find other ways that like like callbacks are a cheat code that you can use um like any bit where you have to speak real, f- like the bit that I did about robbing a Mr. Big and Tall, <laughs> yeah. like that's literally just like I'm going to speak really fast and rhyme, yeah. and then at the end of this they're going to applaud, <laughs> but I'm going to top it with a joke. Yeah, like it's I'm not just here to get this applause. Mm-hmm. I'm here to try and get a laugh out of this. Yeah, so it's always like I'm going to tag it, bam bam, right mm-hmm. after that. And like, then from like also being an audience member, aside from learning other things like I um really just got like a sense of I don't know like flow and like good comedians can read the audience I feel like so if they know things aren't going a certain way they can kind of like shift it and that yeah that was the other thing I felt like I 
kind of picked up on just watching people all the time on stage. I, I think like, I, I watched you. I was really impressed with you. You had a jo- I don't want to burn the joke on this show, but you had a joke that I, I had leaned over and said like, this, this is like a Buster Keaton-esque or like um, Charlie Chaplin, like silent film type where, where like you could see where this punchline is coming from a mile away and it does not change how funny this joke is because a lot of comedy is like people don't it, it, it see it depends on this yeah. element of surprise yeah it 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 does the element of surprise can be a very a very key thing to getting that joke across mm-hmm. so it's like when you find something where that crowd even knows what's coming and then they're they're laughing because they know what's coming, and then you still hit it. And yeah. they're like, I can't believe they said that. Like, <laughs> but it, but it makes. I mean, I, I remember uh, listening to this podcast about creativity, and creativity was described as uh, the point of where something is seen that people don't recognize. Mm. To its counterpoint of, of course, it makes sense yes. that it's that. I feel like that's my other thing, too, is I tell people, if I could describe it, like, I have, like, this perspective of the world, in my opinion, that is pretty unique to me. And I think where my other strength is, is I have this way of, like, uh, like I can be in one scenario, but I'm the one that translates what's happening because I've seen this side of it and I've seen that side of it this side's never seen that side and vice versa but i can translate because i've been on both ends of it yeah and i that's where my perspective comes in and i can explain things that people i don't think are funny because it's my everyday life but other people are like holy crap i didn't see it that way that's actually really funny you know what i mean Brittany lysing i i'm gonna i'm gonna try to not butcher the bit because, like, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to burn her material. But she had a joke that she's been working on, and it's it's going to grow and get even better. But the whole thing was her driving with her cousin and her cousin falling asleep and her hitting a deer. And it's <laughs> smashing the window and everything. And she mentions that, like, her cousin just got up and just brushed the glass off his lap and, and then got up and was like, well, we have to kill this deer now. And then, like walked over and broke the deer's neck and then came back and was like, we'll call a tow truck. Don't worry. Like we're alive. You did what you were supposed to do. And the punchline is like, I, I would not sleep with my cousin, but if anyone knows a man like that, (laughs) and I was like, Oh, of course that makes like, because you like, you think heading into the joke, Oh, this joke is about the deer (laughs) or, or it's, or it's about her experience with the crash. Not, I am so turned on right now. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Where, but it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So that, like, creatively, yes. the fact that it's right at that perfect intersection. Mm-hmm. Can she do 45? Can Brittany do 45? Definitely Brittany okay. can do 45. Brittany's incredible. I think I'm going to talk to... Kylie Lewis Holt and I are booking shows at The Firm. Yeah. Monthly shows. Uh, I think we're going to have a talk with her. I'm going to. Yeah. About bringing in... Kathleen McGee. I yeah. love her. So Brittany Lysing. Yeah, Brittany Lysing. Lisa Baker. Yeah. Mm. Um, and any other female comedians you can think of that I don't know? 
Uh, I don't know if Erica is within your budget. Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> Erica Sigurdsson. Or, or, or Jane Stanton, but like Jane would do it. Jane's great. Like there's so many, there's so many great comics in this country, and it's it's a shame that this country doesn't do more to promote. And yeah, and I feel like we have this amazing advantage. Like you said, this country has a lot of great com- comedians. It's like we're so big and so vast, and have so many different you know ways of life and perspectives how could you not have a great group of funny people that have seen mm-hmm. our country through their lens in so many different aspects we uh we decided last night that we're gonna have little girls jam night sessions yeah. we're gonna call it the Virgin jam yeah and no we're boys get like writing sessions yeah, yeah like or just <laughs> i think writing session is just let's hang out yeah because totally. like we came up with like funny jokes just standing, standing around outside, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. There's not enough of that in Prince George. We used to do that. We, I, I recall we did it once. Brian and I, when we both used to live in Vancouver, would always hang out and like pitch jokes back and forth. Nice. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like that'd be so much yeah. fun. Knock, knock. With no, I'm that. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have to end this. Um, so, this has been the Comedian Stable here on 93.1 CFIS FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. Tonight, my guests were Chris Gaskin, Shannon on the Street, <laughs> and Sarah Jones. <laughs> Thank you for listening and listen on Spotify.